Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back to the 15th episode of the Wormburner Podcast, Season 2. I am your host, Justin, and for this week, we've got a whole bunch of news going around Europe this week, as well as a little bit in Argentina as well, so I want to go over all of that, and then we are going to be going over our league breakdown, of course, as usual. We will be breaking down the Greek Super League this week, so it's a bit of an oddball, and and I genuinely enjoy it because this is a highly competitive league when it comes to two specific teams, if you are not aware of it. But we will be finishing up with our Extra Man Advice of the Week this week. If you have not already, go ahead and go to our Twitter for even more news and updates that we may or may not cover on the show, as well as interactive polls that we do there. It's just a whole bunch of fun, as well as our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash The Wormburner Podcast. If you have not liked or followed us there either, we have good content throughout the week, as well as these polls to be be interactive with you guys and and I hope to bring more polls and maybe even bringing in situations where maybe we may be doing shout outs on the Wormbritter podcast so just keep up to date with all that with our Twitter and our Facebook and as well if you have not checked out our website which is the dash wormbrenner dash podcast.captivate.fm again that is the dash wormbrenner dash podcast.captivate.fm let's go ahead and get into today's show Alright, so for this week we are going to be hopping around Europe as I said before. We've got some news going on in Austria this week. I wanted to highlight it because this is just a player that I have really admired uh, ever since I started watching soccer when it was in 2010 roughly with the South African World Cup. And I was following the German international team because that was just something that I followed versus the American team. Even though the American team did relatively well, that World Cup it was just more of a satisfying feeling supporting the German national team that year with my heritage. Me being German, it kind of flows into that, and that's what we discussed, me and Mr. Green and Mr. Brandon Brown as well, when we come to the national teams, when when I was younger, that was definitely something I did, I have a lot more national pride now when it comes to our soccer team, so I do support those teams more, but this person holds very close to my heart because this was the first player that I ever really saw and was just in awe of, and the amazing part is that he didn't really have too much of a flair to him. But this man, without any further introduction, is Miroslav Klosar. He has officially gotten his first head coaching position in Austria at SCR Altach. I hope I said that correctly. But they are currently in the Austrian Bundesliga And he has, as I said before, become the head coach of this team after having all assistant coaching positions for both the German national team, the Bayern Munich's under-17 team, and then he was the assistant manager for both Hansi Flick and Julian Nagelsmann this previous season at Bayern Munich for the senior team. He is now stretched out and 
decided to be his own head coach, not be an assistant for anybody else. And I really look forward to see what he can do to see what he can do because looking at the way that his mentality is, and I actually just recently watched a interview with him learning what his mindset is and and just getting a peek into his way of football. It was truly amazing and something that I genuinely enjoyed because when it comes to Miroslav Klosar, he is not this flary, show-offy player. He gets the job done and he's a team player doing it. And I think that was what really appealed to me being this little kid in 2010 watching Miroslav Klosar perform at the 2010 World Cup with Germany. It wasn't that he was this flary guy that just did these amazing athletic things, these amazing athletic passes or or goals or anything like that. He did the simple basics, but the simple basics for him works. It was simple football. And he, as I stated, he isn't this glamorous individual. He doesn't have very many high accolades when it comes to the club level. The biggest team, at least in my personal opinion, that he ever played for was Bayern Munich, which, of course, is the biggest team in Germany, so not to really knock off of that, but he didn't play for the Real Madrid's, he didn't play for the Manchester United's, or the Liverpool, or the Barcelona, or PSG. Now, he did for Germany, of course, but still... He wasn't this high-valued player that all these other players are being touted as now. He was a simple player, and I really enjoyed that. So looking back at that, it's just absolutely amazing, and and I wish him luck with that job. I will be keeping up to tabs to see how they do in the Austrian Bundesliga, but that was something that I wanted to discuss here on the podcast. Of course, me being a fan of him, if you have not watched any of his highlights, I highly, highly recommend that you do because he's just an overall great player to learn from when you just want to watch simple stuff. It's simple. It's you. It's You don't have to make this extravagant thing when it comes to soccer. And that's what he makes... That's how beautiful he makes soccer. And it was just absolutely amazing to watch him play when I was younger. And and I hope that he can definitely teach this Austrian side that, that way of football. It'll be interesting to see. Now, hopping over to interesting ways of playing, I wanted to take a hop, skip, and a jump over to Argentina, where... Ex-Manchester City and Manchester United player Carlos Tevez has officially entered management with his first head coaching position at Rosero Central in Argentina. This was a bit of a shock for me because I was just like, wait, he's in management now? It took a lot of people by surprise and even the article that I read based off of OneFootball, which is an amazing app. It's that helps me keep up with everything going on as well as keeping up on Twitter and all of that. But one football even said themselves that he's not wasting any time. He's going straight from playing to management. And it was just an unbelievable thing that I didn't expect with a playing a playing career like his. He played for both Manchester clubs as well as Juventus, ending at Boca Juniors. He did play for West Ham while he was on loan. Uh, at West Ham, and it was just a really 
really good career in total that Carlos Tevez did have. And later on, he did have a lot more controversies of wanting to do other things than play football. So I kind of hope that that doesn't get into the way of his managerial career. But I don't think it will because he seems like that kind of person that would take it seriously. I hope he would take it seriously being a person myself that wants to get into management. It's it's one of those things that, I mean, you you need to treat with the utmost seriousness. You can't just be going to the golf course every other week or every other day <laughs> trying to see if you can get a, a better score on your score sheet for golf. It's just, it, that doesn't, that's not how, that's not how it works. After the season, sure, but during the season, no, that's not, you don't do that. So, Carlos Tevez has officially been announced as the manager of Rosero Central in Argentina. They finished 22nd out of the 28-team Premier League in Argentina as we went over in our previous episode. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly suggest that you do because it was very, very interesting. And I just think that it was a good appointment. Now, with Carlos Tevez not managing, of course, I don't know how he's going to manage. I can't really say as for what he's going to do or what my predictions are. But I think he'll do a fairly decent job. I I can't really say more than that because it's a general thing. I don't really know that much. And so, yes, I think he'll do well. As, As for any person being updated into a position like this, I want them to do well, of course. But that's not how soccer works. And... If things happen, things happen. But I think he'll do well for his first job. He's got the respect of the dressing room, of course. It's Carlos Tevez. You've got the locker room mentality there of you are being coached by a great player. And that'll definitely work to his benefit when it comes to this team. So all the more praise to him. I hope he does really, really well. And for our last piece of news going around the world, we've got a bit of information out of England that truly shocked me when I read it. I genuinely, the first time I saw it, I thought it was a joke. I genuinely thought it was a joke. Then the more and more this snowball grew, I was like, it's actually going to happen. Are you kidding me? But Romelu Lukaku has officially rejoined Inter on loan from Chelsea Football Club. I do. I I can't I can't, I saw it happening, but I didn't want it to actually happen because Romelu was such an amazing player at Inter and I said this last year when I was covering this transfer. I said that if Chelsea don't play Romelu in this two striker kind of setup, He's not going to play well. And that's exactly what happened. They they put him in this 3-4-3 formation with the other two forwards being out wide, Romelu being completely by himself. That is not how he works. And Romelu has even come out and stated that the management and all that weren't using the tactics that he liked or was familiar with. And... It just shows that I, I like I don't want to say that I knew, but it's frustrating as for me as a person that watches soccer that sees these things, and then they happen. It's just like, well, what did you expect? <laughs> it it's kind of a whole 
Moneyball situation, you want you want players that are going to fit your system, and if they aren't going to fit your system, don't buy them. And Chelsea did exactly that. They didn't change their system, but they spent over a hundred million pounds on a player that they genuinely didn't really need. Not to throw shade at Romelu because he's a really really good player if he's put in the right system, but. When you chuck that amount of money at a player, you need to be able to mold something around him. And Chelsea just didn't have that. You had Timo Werner already there. You had Christian Pulisic already there. You also had Akim Siek. I don't think I said his name right, but I'm going with it. And you had all these other players. And that's not even including the fact that in years prior, you had Tammy Abraham that Honestly, I thought he was phenomenal for him, and they didn't keep him. And I'm just like, wait, what? Like, the player in and out at Chelsea just baffles me sometimes, because it's, I don't know what they're doing. And I would love to hear the point of view of a Chelsea fan when it comes to this, because to, again, chuck $100 million or more, not $100 million, sorry, $100 million, euros at a player that doesn't or over a hundred million at a player that doesn't work what are you doing like what are you doing this club was literally just previously bought by Todd Bowley and you're just chucking money around like it's for fun no it's you, you got to be more concise and restricted with your finances when it comes to players like that. Like, when it gets into that level of serious money, you've got to be able to adapt to their game. Sometimes, it that's that's the way that it works. Or buy players that actually fit your system. It's, it's, it's absolutely mind-numbing to me that Chelsea did this. And while I wish the best for Romelu at Inter again for a second time, I just think that it's an this is more of a loss for Chelsea than a win for Romelu Lukaku. This that's the way I'm looking at it, because Romelu I don't think could really care less. He's going back to a place where he played phenomenal football the the previous season before getting his move to Chelsea. I don't think he's really caring right now. He's getting paid. He's playing football at a team that he seems to genuinely like and he was doing really well. And Chelsea's just tossed him off again like he doesn't really matter. Like, just go. We don't care. And looking at it from this way, too, how many clubs would genuinely benefit with 100 million pounds? Just 100 million pounds, not even the 120 plus that was actually paid for him. How many clubs would actually benefit for the hundred and uh, hundred pounds, hundred million pounds? Sorry, hundred million pounds for Romelu. Like, what? Are you kidding? So, overall, just an unbelievable situation and one that we that I really saw coming. <laughs> it's sad, but you know, it is what it is, and uh, I really wish the best for Romelu. And Chelsea's just got to get their situation under control. It's absolutely ridiculous. So with that being said, that's going to wrap up our news around the world for this section. Let's go ahead and get into the league breakdown of the Greek Super League. All right. So as I stated before, the league breakdown of the week, we are going to Greece for the Greek Super League for this week's breakdown. So 
the league was officially founded in 1927, but it has had different names since its creation in 1927. That first rendition of the Greek top flight was called the Panhellenic Championship, and then it was rebranded again in 1959 as the Alpha Ethnique League in, again, 1959, and then it was rebranded again as recently as 2000 as in 6 as the Super League of Greece, so the top flight. But with this league, there are 14 teams in this league that, of course, play twice, and that determines the winner of the league in Greece. That is their league setup. There is no fancy ruling or anything like that, like some of the other leagues that we have been covering, uh, so it's down and back to the basics when it comes to the league format this week. Now, when it comes to club performances, there are two clubs that really shine when it comes to the Greek Super League or the Greek Top Flight. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say all of them because there are actually only six winners in total of the Greek Super League or the Greek Top Flight League since 1927, since its creation. There's only been six, which is absolutely crazy to even think about. And I just think it's it, it's amazing to know that these particular teams have found dominance in a league that doesn't see that many winners. And those six teams that have won the league is, of course, in number one position. The number one position is Olympiakos with 47 titles under their belt. The first one they've won in 1931 and the latest one in 2022 this year. They won the latest rendition of the league. In second place, you have their little brother, their crosstown neighbor, Panathinaikos, with 20 league titles under their belt. The first one coming in 1930 and the latest one in 2010. In third place, you have... AEK Athens with 12 championships to their name. The first one in 1939 and the latest one in 2018. In fourth place, you have Eris FC with three titles under their belt, with the first one coming in 1928 and the last one coming in 1946. In fifth place, we have PAOK FC or PAOK Thessalonik with three titles as well under their belt. The first one coming in 1976 and the latest one in 2019. And then you have AELFC, which has won one title under their belt, and they won it in 1988. So there is a predominantly large team when it comes to the Greek Super League. Now, going to the Greek Cup, there is a bit of a change when it comes to that, but first, we have the founding of this was in 1931, and as of last year, 119 teams competed in this 
Cup competition. And we do have more winners here for this Cup competition, so I will actually be doing only the top five for this. So, in first place, of course, really no other team to expect here. It is Olympiacos with 28 titles under their belt. The first one in 1947 and the latest one coming in 2020. In second place, you have Panathinaikos with 19 Greek Cups under their belt. The first one in 1940 and the latest one was this year in 2022. In third place, you have AEK Athens with 15 cups to their name. The first one in 1932 and the latest one in 2016. In fourth place, you have PAOK Thessalonik with eight Greek cups under their belt. The first one in 1972 and the latest one in 2022. And in fifth place, rounding us off, we have a tie with AEL Football Club with two cups under their name. The first one in 1985 and the latest one in 2007. And they are tied with Peñonos GSS Football Club with two titles under their belt as well. The first one in 1979 and the latest one in 1998. That wraps up our Greek Football Cup breakdown. Again, being founded in... 1931. Now, when it comes to the teams that have never been relegated from the Greek Super League, you have three teams in particular that stand out. As of the Alpha Ethnique that was set up 60 years ago, three teams have never been relegated from the Greek Super League. The first one is Olympiakos, the next one is Panathinaikos, and the last one is P-A-O-K-F-C have never been relegated from the Greek top flight in the 60-odd years since the creation of the Alpha Ethnic League itself. Now, for our rivalry, there really and truly is no other rivalry when it comes to soccer to discuss in this league. It is, of course, the question that was on the PK shootout with Mr. Brandon Brown and Mr. Tucker Green. If you did not see that PK shootout, it was highly, highly contested because there was just so many good questions and it was an overall great, great showing for both of them. Now, it is we are going to be breaking down the Derby of the Eternal Enemies. That is... Panathinaikos versus Olympiakos, the two biggest teams in Greece, of course. With this rivalry, it is considered one of the craziest derbies to go to. It was named by the BBC as Europe's maddest derby, which is just crazy in itself because you have these other rivalries like Real Madrid and Barcelona. You have Liverpool, Manchester United. But yet, you have Olympiakos and Panathinaikos being labeled as Europe's maddest derby. And then, the Daily Mirror, which is a tabloid in Britain, ranked the eternal, the derby of the eternal enemies, fifth in the most important derbies in the world. Which is 
absolutely crazy just to give you that mental note of how important this rivalry is in the world of soccer. These two teams go at it. And honestly, the best way that I can explain this, and I hope no Greek Super League fans or Greek or Greek fans of these teams take offense to this, but this is the greatest example of a sibling rivalry I have ever seen. These two teams go at it like they you are fighting your brother or your sister. That is the way that these two teams go against each other. They hold absolutely nothing back. And it's an unbelievable match to watch if you have the opportunity for watching it. When it comes to the overall honors between the two teams, as we had previously stated before, of course, it does predominantly favor Olympiakos over their rival Panathinaikos, but that rivalry is slowly turning towards Panathinaikos. This previous season in 2022, Panathinaikos actually didn't lose a league game against Olympiakos this year, and they have been recording more wins as of recent history against the side. I don't know if it's going to shift for an overall Panathinaikos leading the rivalry in the in the coming years, but I would love to see if that happens because, as I said before, the best way to explain this rivalry is a sibling rivalry. They, they're two brothers or two sisters. You are going at them with everything that you've got. That's the best way that I can explain this. And honestly, the next time that this rivalry comes up, I'm going to be saving it on my recorder or something. I'm just going to be doing something to watch this match because it is it is going to be an absolute slugfest goal-wise, possibly between the two sides or just an overall fight in general of fighting for the ball, fighting for headers, all of that. It's just an unbelievable and crazy game to watch and one that I will be watching in the future. Now, let's go ahead and go to our extra man advice of the week this week. We had been pushing it off a little bit because, of course, with the schedule with Zealand coming on the podcast, if you haven't seen that interview, it's an amazing interview. I would highly recommend you watch that interview and this latest episode we just didn't have time because we went over a whole bunch of other stuff. It's time that we do the extra man advice of the week this week so let's go ahead and get into it. Alright so for our extra man advice of the week this week I actually wanted to focus on the coaches for this one. It's a bit of a peculiar one but I wanted to highlight the coaches here because we've done almost every single other group of players before when it comes to the extra man advice of the week and we normally do players but we hardly ever do the coaches so for our aspiring coaches I wanted to give you this extra man advice of the week this week be adaptable like your players are it is a extremely underutilized tool when it comes to soccer not being adaptable and when you have the talent at your disposal to do what you can and do what formations you want it makes your ability as a coach that much more better and you need to be able to work with what you have of course but also being adaptable with the 
positions that I've held, the volunteer positions that I've held, both as a player and a coach, I've been, or I've had to do multiple different things that I may or may not have been comfortable with, especially as a player. But when it comes to being a assistant coach, that was something that we did all the time, and even with me being the head of the reserve team for the extramural soccer program at the University of North Alabama for one year, I think I've probably used five, six, seven formations in my entire coaching time so far. I've only been coaching for two, three years. That's it. That's all I coached. I played for three, coached for three. And I've used... I don't even know how many formations I've used. It's just absolutely crazy how fluid and how much information can be in soccer. So be adaptable. If Maybe if once you get done listening to this episode, go to a really good YouTube channel called Football Daily. They do really good on stats. They do really good on just alerting how good players are doing. So increase your player knowledge when it comes to that, as well as... Tifo Football, which is another really good one. They actually have really good animations that are just absolutely phenomenal. But you need to be able to be adaptable is what I'm saying. Don't stick to one formation and if it doesn't work, keep trying harder. That's that's not what I'm that's not what I'm saying at all. Be adaptable like your players are. That is going to be key to you going far in this sport. I promise you, being adaptable. That is one of the key things as a coach you can work on constantly because so many people are like, oh, build this muscle if you want to run faster. Build this section if you want to be able to block players harder. It's the exact same thing with your mind, being able to be adaptable because the brain is a muscle as well. You need to work it out. And as a coach, work that brain out. Work that muscle out to where you are putting in good information to say, hey, I could do this if I manage this team and if I do this, this, and this, maybe this might happen and it'll give us more chances in the opponent's box. It's all a tumbling snowball if you look at it and build on your knowledge of soccer. It's amazing and don't be afraid to adapt, be adaptable. That is what's going to get you far in the sport. I promise you. I promise you. I've seen it with players, and it's the exact same thing with coaches. Coaches sticking to one plan, like players sticking to one position in one formation, it may or may not work, and they may be a better player or a better position or a better formation in the term of coaches that you can play, and it's going to be better for you be adaptable. That is the Extra Man Advice of the Week. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. It was so much fun recording. And if you have not already, check out our Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at WormburnerPDCST. Again, that is WormburnerPDCST. And if you have not checked out our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner Podcast. Stay up to date with all that stuff. I'll be coming out with polls and interactive stuff with you guys. I hope to share with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A million times thank you for making it to the end of this episode. Stay safe, have fun, love soccer, and I'll see you guys next week.
Ciao, everyone.